In today's brief, we'll talk about Ukraine's future with NATO and the growing list of people who apparently knew about Prigozhin's incomplete rebellion in advance. I'm Linnea, and today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023, and it's my birthday. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. According to the U.S. Pentagon, mercenary troops from private military company or PMC Wagner Group are still on the territory of Ukraine. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reported that Ukrainian forces have taken and are holding positions on the left bank, that would be the occupied bank, of the Dnipro River in Kherson Oblast. Ukraine's Minister of Defense, Alexei Reznikov, dismissed doubts about the ongoing counteroffensive and hinted that recent achievements are only a preview of a much larger offensive, saying, quote, When it happens, you will all see it. Everyone will see everything. End quote. Reznikov also confirmed that Ukraine's main troop reserves, including most of the brigades recently trained and equipped with modern NATO tanks and armored vehicles, have not yet been deployed to the front. Reznikov added that the Ukrainian army has achieved, quote, certain successes that the general staff is not disclosing in order not to endanger the troops, saying, quote, Sometimes Russians do not report to their leadership that they have lost a certain area or territory. They are afraid to report further to their leadership. End quote. Among the reasons Ukraine's counteroffensive has been slower than expected are the large swaths of minefields. Leaders of the Ukrainian armed forces urge patience and insist that the primary offensive operation is yet to come. Ukrainian General Oleksandr Tarnovsky, commander on the Tavria Front, reported that almost three companies of Russian occupation forces, which, depending on the company, could be anywhere between 90 and 450 personnel, and 21 units of heavy equipment were destroyed in a single day in the Taurida direction, including two armored fighting vehicles, or AFVs, two Orlan-10 drones, a 2S-1 Gvozdika self-propelled artillery installation, a BM-21 Grad multiple launch rocket system, or MLRS, and automotive equipment. On top of that, General Tarnovsky reported that five Russian ammunition depots were destroyed. Over the past week, the armed forces of Ukraine have confirmed the destruction of nine Russian ammunition depots and 11 military bases. It's possible that there are more that have not been announced. Moving on to news from the home front. Counterintelligence officers from the Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, arrested an alleged agent from the Russian Secret Service, or FSB, who helped to direct fire for the Russian missile attack on the cafe in the center of Kramatorsk on June 27th. At the time of recording, the number of civilians killed in the attack had increased to 11, including three children, and 61 people were wounded. Ukrainian air defense shot down six Shahed-136-131 loitering munitions overnight between June 27th and 28th. Polish President Andrzej Duda arrived in Kyiv on June 28 for an unannounced visit. At the time of recording, the specific purpose of the visit had still not been made public. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky made a speech to the Verkhovna Rada, or Ukrainian Parliament, 
in which he called on NATO to stop looking back at the weakened Kremlin when deciding on Ukraine's future membership, noting that after victory, NATO allies would want Ukrainian combat brigades to be deployed on the land of its neighbor nations because, quote, Ukraine is a country of strength, and everyone sees it, end quote. In March of 2022, then-head of the Mykolaiv District Prosecutor's Office, Gennady Kherman, passed information about Ukrainian forces onto the Russian military. Later that month, Russia launched a missile strike on a Ukrainian military barracks in Mykolaiv, killing at least 50 people. Kherman was considered to be what's called a fire spotter and has been found guilty of high treason. He has been sentenced to life in prison for the act. Now to the temporarily occupied territories. Strikes on the bridges near Chonkhar at the entrance to Crimea have significantly complicated Russian troop logistics, evidenced by the rapid construction of a pontoon crossing in the area. Russian collaborator Vladimir Zhagov reported a series of six explosions in the Russian-occupied city of Melitopol in Zaporizhia Oblast. The targets were not identified, nor was the extent of the damage. There has reportedly been an outbreak of infectious waterborne disease in the temporarily occupied areas of Kherson as a result of the flooding following the explosion of the Kahovka Dam. A video released by the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, shows soldiers spraying disinfectant in affected areas. Speaking of communicable diseases, let's talk about the Russian Federation. According to the New York Times, Russian General Sergei Serovykin, who was appointed as a mediator between the Russian MOD and Wagner, knew about Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's plans to commit a mutiny in Russia. So that's awkward. Needless to say, later on the 28th, it was reported by the Moscow Times that Serovykin had been arrested, and his current whereabouts are unknown. U.S. news network CNN, citing a European intelligence official, reported that Russian FSB may have known about the Wagner Rebellion before it all went down, with the anonymous official saying, quote, They might have known and might not have told about it, and known and decided to help it succeed. There are some hints. There might have been prior knowledge. End quote. According to the Wall Street Journal, Western intelligence agencies also learned about Prigozhin's plans in advance through wiretaps and satellite imagery, and believed that the initial plan had a chance of success. After that plan was leaked, however, Prigozhin had to improvise, and that likely contributed to the coup's failure. Getting to think that the only person who didn't know about the armed insurrection in advance is Russian President Vladimir Putin. Reportedly, Wagner leader Prigozhin had planned to capture Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu and Chief of the General Staff Valery Gerasimov during their visit to the southern regions of Russia but the plan was discovered two days prior. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, assessed on June 27th that it's likely that Putin can't eliminate Prigozhin without making him a martyr, and the power play between Putin, Prigozhin, and self-declared president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, isn't over. Moving on to European news, Switzerland announced on the 28th that the country had expanded its sanctions against Russia in line with the European Union's 11th package of sanctions. The nation also announced on the 28th that it had rejected a request by Swiss defense company RUAG to re-export 96 Leopard 1 tanks to Ukraine that were supposed to be delivered after refurbishment in Germany. 
The decision was reportedly made based on neutrality legislation. Belarusian opposition group National Anti-Crisis Management, or NAM, submitted evidence to the International Criminal Court, or ICC, on June 27th, alleging that Lukashenko is complicit in the illegal transfer of Ukrainian children out of the territory of Ukraine. Let's talk about news worldwide. According to Ukrainian Minister of Defense Reznikov, Ukraine has achieved all three of the key prerequisites for joining NATO, including interoperability with NATO forces, a transparent procurement system, and civilian control of the military. A Ukrainian government report indicated that Russia has been able to circumvent Western sanctions and source components for missiles and loitering munitions through intermediaries in non-sanctioned countries such as China. Tech components include microchips and other electronics from semiconductor manufacturers in the U.S., Europe, and Japan, such as Texas Instruments, AMD, Integrated Device Technology, Intel, Infineon, Netherlands-based Nexperia, and Swiss company Pneumonics. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg announced that NATO has strengthened its eastern flank and is ready to protect every inch of NATO territory. Heads of state from Poland, Lithuania, and the Netherlands have thrown their support behind Ukraine's prospective NATO membership ahead of the Vilnius summit. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte remarked that the NATO summit should give a clear signal to Ukraine that its future is in the alliance. When asked if Putin is weaker today than he was last week, U.S. President Joe Biden responded, quote, I know he is, end quote. The latest Reuters poll found that support for arming Ukraine has soared in the United States, with 81% of Democrats, 56% of Republicans, and 57% of Independents favoring supplying U.S. weapons to Ukraine. Let's talk military tech. Lithuania purchased two NASM's anti-aircraft launch systems and will supply them to Ukraine, along with 10 M113 Armored Personnel Carriers, or APCs, and ammunition. As part of the Pentagon's latest aid package, valued at around 500 million U.S. dollars, another 30 Bradley Infantry Fighting Vehicles, or IFVs, and 25 Striker APCs will be sent to Ukraine. According to U.S. Air Force Brigadier General Pat Ryder, the aid package was not expedited as a result of Prigozhin's failed mutiny. U.S. Senator James Risch, a Republican from Idaho, said in an interview with Voice of America that the possibility of sending long-range attackums missiles to Ukraine is high, as lawmakers continue to pressure the Biden administration to provide Ukraine with all the weapons needed to repel the full-scale Russian invasion. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports, and please consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.